All right, Lucas, it's uh, dedication time. So what are you going to dedicate the episode to? I'll dedicate this episode to um, to ba- the film that I directed was based on mental health. So I'm going to dedicate it towards that. Wonderful. Mental health. Love it. I'm Kirsty. And I'm Ellie. And we're the producers. And you're listening to St. Paul Filmcast. Lucas Bryant. Um, he did uh, directed. This is called Dial, right? It's called Dial. Yep. And you're the writer, also writer and director. Yeah, writer and director. Yep. And it's a short film, right? Short film. It's uh, 21 minutes long with credits. So I'd say it's about 19 minutes of actual screen time okay. outside of credits. So well, it's actually a pretty long short film. Yeah, we shot it in. Uh, the benefit of it was we shot in one location, so it helps shooting it. Right. Um, didn't have to move a lot of gear around and stuff like that. And security. So, you just yeah. lock the door, padlock it, and just... Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and where, um, before we get started, talk about it. Uh, where can people find it or when eventually you'll be able yeah. to see it? So it's... Uh, right now, it's going through some film festivals right now. So okay. I'm going to... Pro- I got to hold off on releasing it online and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I know. I know their regulations are kind of... Yeah. So, But the Twin Cities Film Festival was one I submitted it to. This is a Minnesota-based production. It took place in Red minnesota that's where i actually am from grew up okay all right and then uh on facebook instagram and twitter uh usually for instagram it's dial underscore short film and then twitter and facebook are both uh dial 1-800-273-8255 and we'll put the links up there so people can people yeah, can find them for sure place. yeah so uh it's definitely a short film we kick around in, cir- in circulation so if anybody eventually want to just kind of follow eventually we'll be able to see it yeah, yeah exactly yep i just obviously gotta wait for the festivals uh <laughs> right. uh requirements and stuff like that which i understand so so yeah i'm 19 minutes long and you wrote it yes and, and uh writing the whole script uh did you edit it yourself yeah i uh it went through six drafts um right so and then yeah, re-write. rewriting rewriting and then mainly for me was the dialogue was hard to uh, get i actually would yeah. practice the dialogue myself towards like uh saying it out loud because obviously when you write it down i did the same thing for my book yeah right you, i was talking to many times i'll be out on my deck in the middle of the night like talk i'm sure my neighbors think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there well i was fortunate my roommate didn't uh wasn't home sometimes because there's times where i i had a moment where uh between one of the main interactions of the two characters that i just couldn't get uh like just the final like couple dialogue moments from them and i just laid on my apartment floor and i stared to the ceiling i kept saying the lines out loud i'm very glad he didn't walk in and come home from work at that right, time because yeah. he did he would have thought the same uh, thing Lucas, so. okay are you broken <laughs> yeah so uh but yeah no uh I, I had a few of the crew members look at it and then got right. their feedback and stuff like that but in terms of editing i was kind of the one that would edit as well so okay yeah. well, and you've you've done a little more writing before this right you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned in prep time you did a, a screenplay for a summer stuff like that yeah so, in college i wrote a about 140 150 page screenplay so that really helped in terms of getting pace because that's yeah. something that 
I was going to find challenging with the short film is how do you knock down a perfect story in a short amount of time? You know, a lot of times you get a long time to tell a complete story. It's like, how do we tell this? So it's a matter of picking and choosing your characters, right? Uh, I mean, tributes yeah, and stuff like that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. No, you're good. No, it's just everything <laughs> matters, especially in a short film. Yeah. And not only what you show, but what you don't see. So everybody can mentally them so the audience you're worried about the audience maybe they they're, can they follow this along you know? yeah exactly it was it was a lot of connecting uh the short bits with the audience and and also giving enough plenty of information of the characters but also i wanted this film not to um since it deals with kind of mental health i didn't want to yeah. construct it into one story way like that's how someone might deal with it or happen but i sure. wanted to keep it open to interpretation not interpretation i guess more open in terms of people can they can make up their own story of how this story began. Nice. So, yeah. Something so like it's that. It's a little more loose interpretation for the audience. They, yep. Somebody sitting next to them may even see it the same, you know, different way than somebody else does. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the ending is pretty, pretty firm, but it's also a little bit of, um, I didn't want to finalize it like in terms of after the character, after these characters all interact, I didn't want to just be like, okay, that's how it ends. Like there's still more to the story, yeah. but in terms of this short film, like the 19 minutes, it tells a complete story of those three characters. Cause there's only three in the film, but two of them are mainly dominated together. So, so. three dominant real core characters in this. Yep. Two, uh, one character interacts with both. The other two never interact with each other. So it kind of plays off that. So is it kind of intentional for that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was kind of, um, inner and outer of the mind type deal something like that is how right. i best can describe without spoiling too much of it so well, i think it's because i'm so i love talking to people especially writers mm -hmm. I, I love all varieties but writers you get a real good insight of how you make a story and i think movies are just a story right any yeah and i think writers is given a perspective process of story so but yeah tell us what the whole synopsis is I <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no worry i kind of just jumped into it. um yeah. so the synopsis is uh it's it's emma who's the main character um finds an unwanted presence in her life and she she has like kind of a troubling um interaction with the first character uh played uh as, as woman one as it's just called in the film okay. um because it's not really a core it's it's a very small role but it's uh it's got some core elements into it that's supposed sure. to be relatable to kind of like a symbolism towards something uh to to the world and then she battles with this not battles physically um but mentally battles with another character so she that, that's the conflict that's the two are very conflicted yeah. but they have they have similar interests in the film. Um, both of them want to go a certain path. Yeah. But so until, you know, obviously every story, there's a path and then something happens where two characters will either divulge, diverge from that path or go or, yep, diverge and yeah. or continue down that path. Maybe something else stops it. So that's kind of the basis of this film. Um, like I said, shot in Red Wing, Minnesota, all one location and stuff like that. What did you always wanted to shoot in Red Wing, or just because it, you're from it helped? There? It helped. Um, I guess I've never had the aspiration to shoot in Red Wing. It more helped because it's actually, in terms of location, I knew it because it's actually where my uh, parents live right now. Yeah, it's a they have a giant garage, so we shot in this, this huge garage, um, and it has different parts to it, which helped the story. That's that's the location helped me write this story a lot too. 
because I knew of it already. So I could already piece it together in terms of what I wanted visually. Okay. So that really helped knowing it really well. Um, being, you know, growing up there for 18 years and then, <laughs> but I mean, I, yeah. I know, uh, been working, uh, on another script with uh, Ellie Drews, and she mentioned shooting in Red Wing because she she was a cinematographer on the film. Yeah, and yeah, pretty, she was been on the show. Yeah, yeah, and she did a wonderful job. And uh, she also mentioned wanting to shoot in Red Wing, so I'm trying to write a script um, in Red Wing. It's kind of like a fan film type deal. So you both kind of bouncing ideas off each other. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that helps, and I, I you know, especially for writing, you bounce ideas with other people. Don't isolate yourself. I yeah, you yeah. Idea, yeah. Especially mm-hmm. like writers, we're like we had Russ Meyer on. He talked about working at writers' workshops, and mm-hmm. it definitely helps him. And I, I, yeah, I think if you if you get an idea, bounce it off people, right? Oh yeah, exactly. You got to get their, you got other people's opinion on it too. Because Ellie was actually one of the first people I sent the script because I was kind of like, does this in my mind it might work. Yeah. But does it work in her mind? She liked it, and then she had some, you know, confusions on some parts. So I kind of tweaked out those around. But you know, you never want to go in having it only being yourself that's viewed yeah. it, being yourself that wrote it. Because it, I don't know if it'll go all that well then. So. Right. I, I think it just share ideas and thinking different viewpoints. And I've always emphasized. Mm-hmm. I'm repeating myself for my avid listeners, but I always said I, I submitted mine, and somebody said it's not funny. And I, well, it's not of comedy. No, there's nothing funny in it. There has mm-hmm. to be some element of either you think it's tragic or funny into it. We have to, like, more and more interest. Yeah. Either really go one way or the other or both or something. I really didn't. And I think that's hard for writers because they want to get the story out that they forget that it's really heavily emotion, emotional based. All these are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard when people like like that criticism right there. Sometimes it can be kind of hard, too. And you're kind of yeah. like, no, this mean? is. It's, that's not funny. And I, I, now yeah. I, I understand that because now when I go back to my favorite movies, there are some things that are funny in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that is that is something in this this film. I, I you know, I. um as dark as it is, I think I would hope there's at least right. one or two humor spots because I kind of put two of them in there a little bit in terms they're light humor. Obviously, it's not like right. bang over the head and stuff like that. So we'll see how that gets interpreted. Well, it's very. I mean, I follow it on Instagram. It's you, the images what you guys are presenting is very dark. Yeah, right? it's very, very dark. Yeah, very serious. I like that. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, and yeah, it's it's a very dark film, and it's even most of the scenes are dark except for the very very last scene but even the surrounding is dark because that's kind of the presence that we wanted on this film just because now well nowadays we're starting to see a little bit more advocation for like mental health awareness but it's still pretty much in the dark so that's why it takes place in the dark so i like the play on the whole yeah the whole emphasis of the environment's also Mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's how we approached it with this film so did you do outlines no no No. Mm. you just go uh well i guess i did a bunch of shot lists but right um is that what we meant by outlines i guess yeah okay you know or i'm a loose interpreter okay so uh (laughs) we did we did i had a shot list that i you know there's way too many shots to begin with already on there and that's fine it's easier to cut down obviously than add obviously and so ellie went through that and cut down some shots and um it wasn't very it was much more like this is what i'm looking for not like what it has to be and then so it's more like okay i would love to have like this type of shot and ellie be like okay i got it that and then they would the whole crew did phenomenal on this so i was very happy with that nice uh so yeah we had an outline um 
it had to get restructured a little bit for the second day just because well first especially day. when you work in independent films you have to adjust i've yeah. learned that when interviewing a lot of independent filmmakers that you have to learn to accommodate and adjust to what you're doing you exactly know, yeah and that's what we did the second day we we got we went two hours longer than intended um for filming okay but we got the whole thing done then in two days so that was the the plan was to do two, maybe three days of filming, but I think everyone didn't want to keep driving an hour each time, each way. So, <laughs> or, um, right, risking getting a ticket. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> we we all voted and stayed until about eight p.m. the second day of shooting and stuff like that. But we we had like an outline roughly, and then and yeah. kind of went off that. So the idea for the story did you come up with this character or the story first i came up with the story first it was actually um i was just on a i was just telling someone else this story the other day so i was it was last last year around september of 2017 i think okay and uh logic the the rapper um oh i know him yeah he's been on rick and morty yeah 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 so he uh he had him and uh khalid and then another female artist uh collaborated on a song uh with the suicide hotline number and i don't know why i started hearing it and it was performed at you know it could be in a music video awards you know one of the award ceremonies so i watched it it's kind of moved by that and then i was just actually just uh i was thinking about you know how it can get a film done at the location that my parents grew up at yeah because i was thinking like if i'm going to do this i need to be able to do it in one location somewhere i know so i was thinking of all these stories and i was just thinking like the ones i was thinking of were just like way out there and would have been like way too hard to film and just too much and then all of a sudden i started resonating that song again and then i was in um i was actually showering and i it was just started and then all of a sudden it just came to me and then i literally like it was like probably quickest shower i've ever taken in my life maybe 30 <laughs> 30 seconds i quickly jumped out dried off and i wrote it um yeah. i wrote it on i always have to write it on pen, pen and paper right away uh i wrote it down on my notepad about 10 pages of stuff of character and each character and their kind of um what they would look like and then the next day i wrote the the 14 page script and then i started editing it so i kind of came up with the story first before character um but i knew i wanted the lead to be a female role and the um the second you know leading role is going to be a male but the uh abby aerosmith who who plays uh, Emma is the main role in the film. Right, her name's Aerosmith, I think, if everybody, it's yeah. not the band, it's uh, actual Aerosmith, right, yeah. Yep, yeah. so yeah, I came up with the story first, and then uh, I, I do enjoy the character's development f- much more than the story aspect. I love getting the kind of like how they would act, how they'd walk, how they talk, yeah. what they wear. That's what I enjoy the most. So yeah. once I got the story, that's when it got really fun, because then I could, make the characters so well, i have to share a little bit because of my my script i'm my book my comic book i'm using real mm-hmm. people and you kind of when you draw it out you kind of remember how people act how people yep. are their manners and then i kind of put it in there like somebody who's really neat i would put it in the story like that's how they're neat and orderly if somebody's really messy or yeah yeah exactly so it uh, definitely i would probably try to project their mannerisms into a story as well as but like developing a character or something like that almost like casting yeah exactly and then you know i wanted to keep the characters um kind of how i wanted them but also leave a little bit up 
for people when the actors and actresses came in to kind of um, make it their own and stuff like that. Well, how did you how did you find Amy? Uh, Abby? Yeah, or, Abby, sorry. Uh, well, I've worked with Abby before on a film uh, called My Renaissance. It's shot in Rochester, Minnesota. It's My about 50, 55 minutes long, roughly. Okay. I, uh, I worked on it, at, I think, half of the production days. We shot on like a Saturday, Sundays type deal. And uh, then I just did uh, casting calls. And um, okay. so I'd seen her work before and um, actually in person. And then when it came to casting calls, then it kind of... Um, I kind of just decided to go with her and, right. and stuff. I can't. I don't know how to best describe how I choose. Um, Damon, though, who plays, uh, I've been actually keeping his character role a secret on right. on social media, so I'm not going to say. We just move right along, right? Yes, because yeah. and it's not it's not like a spoiler or anything, but I just don't want no. people to go in thinking because it, its character doesn't really have a name; has more of a. Well, right, you emphasized it. You want audiences to interpret their own way. And I, yeah. don't, I don't think you want, you don't want to lean or have any kind of a bias before they get started watching this. Yeah, and I don't want them to think how someone might look. That's yeah. That was my biggest thing. Okay. So, Damon, though, um, for the roles, you know, I put out in the casting call for the male role was you need to be able to crawl and fit into small places. Well, he's very, he's not, he's, he's short and skinny. So that really helped, but <laughs> that does. Help. Yeah, right, that does. And so that helped. Um, cause I didn't want that character to be physically dominating over Abby. That was really important to me. And, but besides his physicality, his acting was really, I thought it was really well done. And then, uh, he was able to, you know, in the auditions, able to crawl the entire time, like as he was doing his lines and it was much more the mannerisms that I wanted. It was, you know, through the voice, but what he's doing in between his voices, like, was he breathing heavily? Was he doing like weird scratches in his throats or was, and then his eye contact was perfect that it, that the fact that there was much, not much. Cause it's just like his character is so different. So I wanted it to feel different. So that's the best way I can describe that. So <laughs> without spoiling, as well as without saying who he is. So. Right. But, well, how'd you run? Um, you got your cast. So how'd you get your assemble the crew and everybody? I'm sure you probably yeah. you Ellie before you started. Yeah. I, I've worked with Ellie a couple of, um, a couple of films, short films based in the twin city areas. And I really kind of, reached out to her i knew i wanted her to be the cinematographer for the film um because i didn't want since i was i also edited the film yeah so i wrote it directed and edited that's a lot of male perception on it and i didn't want a male cinematographer then because there's a there's a nice play when you have the cinema because it's almost like the the actor and the cinematographer are working together yeah yeah there's almost like even though they're not in the in front of the camera there's also a play of dynamics and that they have to do as well yeah exactly and then i always i will always remember uh guillermo or not guillermo um quentin tarantino he he mentioned that he always has a female editor he has this go-to editor but he says she has to be female yeah. and she and that's who he's gone with religiously for years and i thought that was really interesting because if i had a male cinematographer since i already kind of cut out the editor spot with me doing it yeah. as an independent film it's just so much cheaper for me to do it and i knew what i wanted uh but from a 
I needed a, another female's perspective in terms of that was in control of the camera movements and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, that's, um, and I mean, Ellie's a really good cinematographer. That's, I mean, that's number reason number one, why I picked her it wasn't yeah, just because, just, just, all right. That's, um, that's too, but, that's too much of an automatic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that, that was already like perfect. So then I actually just reached out to her and said, you know, who would you, who do you know that could help with this film? And she gave me a bunch of names. Um, and that basically everyone that she gave was worked on the film. Then they all were like, yep, let's do it. And then, uh, once that happened about November, December, and then we had our table read around March, maybe May, no yeah, March or May April, roughly of last year, about a year ago. Yep. Um, and then we shot in June. So nice, nice, nice. So were you I, able to have a table read before you started? Yeah. Like pre-production. Yep. Um, so we had, uh, I had two makeup artists on the film, uh, Damon. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh. <laughs> um, da well, just because in terms of moving things along, I wanted, um, Casey worked kind of on Abby and Cynthia's role. And then, uh, Lexi Tyrell worked on, um, Damon's role. It was more just since we wanted to shoot in two days, get it done. It was like, I just don't want to have to rush makeup and no, stuff and like that and that's yeah. and that's very important to the film so we did a makeup test for damon and then um it was just it was really nice to have uh two makeup artists actually on set because casey pearson would uh, a lot of times be on the shooting and she would notice like something with like hair and stuff like that and lexi was more like helping people inside and getting that stuff ready so it was a very nice balance to have I thought to have two and especially with independent films it's one of the things that they cut for time that i think really you'd really it's beneficial for everybody if you have a makeup artist with you yeah exactly so that was uh you know it was just making sure everyone i kind of got in the table reads and then through testing and stuff i knew kind of how much time everyone needed so i helped base the uh structure for the day so you were kind of the script supervisor too huh kind of like uh show. a little bit i mean i yeah. knew it pretty well the script okay i'd actually you know, there was, I think, uh, like once or twice, I was like, boom, that's a perfect take. Like, I love it. And then Damon or Abby would be like, well, we missed a line. I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> All right. I said, well, we can do it that way too. So, uh, so we do that. But I mean, in terms of, uh, I, you know, I had Sefer Bond work. Uh, she's based out of Rochester. She was kind of my assistant director. She also looked, kept an eye on the script as well. Um, but, you know, in terms of, you know, working with that project since September, October, I really knew it. I felt I knew it pretty well. So that's why I'm also very happy that it's done and I can right, let you it get go. I don't, I wouldn't, and it's not like a play on that. I think it's bad. I just would never mind watching dial again. Cause I've seen it so many times and I've right. watched it. I haven't actually watched it with people. That's something I don't uh, like to do. I actually like no. let my roommate and his girlfriend watch. They were the first ones to view the rough cut, and I just sat in my room. I know Tim Burton can't watch people watch his films. Yeah, I don't he like just, being in the room when people watch. I don't want to like. Um, I don't want to keep looking at because I'll just keep looking at them, and I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable, yeah. and that I don't know what their reactions will be. Um, and stuff like that so i mean if it gets into any of the film festivals i don't know if i'll even 
it might not look good that the director just walks out as soon as the opening titles start, but right. I might uh, find a way to sneak out. Well, you got to, yeah, especially you understand that it's almost you're committed to this thing even after you made it, right? It's it's yeah. it's a campaign afterwards, so it even has a life after you're done making it, and you have to keep helping and move it along and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So did you, I mean, the whole process didn't turn you off to film. I mean, you probably want to keep oh, doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I would love to keep doing it. Um, uh, like I said, working on that script with Ellie, Yeah, but we're doing a little one there and then, um, well, I, didn't, I didn't know if you're just going to want to write something, but you, want Oh to yeah. I would, I would love to keep directing. Yeah. I yeah. love the writing directing side. Like I like knowing it's, it'd be hard to actually grab a script as just be the director and read it unless it was like, I'm sure once you read it, you get attached to it, but I, I like the whole writing process and then I like the whole taking yeah. it from there and trying to direct it and stuff like that. Yeah. Like so rather than secondhand source, you'd rather have your own material to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. More original stuff. So when you write it, do you have, you know, a typical screenplay just has vague notes, but you know that you're the only one that's going to read it. Do you actually put extra points in there in the book like all of this uh, or something yeah i like to, like little extra credits to mm -hmm. yeah i like to go through it just mark it up and um and i mean sometimes i i, I do like other people reading but in terms of like the edits like i'll make those um okay it's really nice to have people go through i always have a tough time also i'll type all this out and also I'll look being like how do i even sp like make sentences because like there's like two thugs in a row and it's just like right. stuff like that so are you comfortable with editing editing are you comfortable with yeah doing it or, I, yeah. I like going through it and it stinks but <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to get that first draft done but that, i guess that was a lot easier with a 14 page script than it would be with like a 100 plus page script because if they keep going through and editing it, so. well, you have to think about how you're going to transition. Are you just going to cut it? Are you going to swipe oh, yeah. it? And all that stuff, all the heavy, all the decisions you have to do to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I did that in this script. You know, it'd be like a lot of dip to black. Um, that's what I did for this film. There's a lot of dip to black, but that's also the reason for that. In when people watch the film, is there are so when I say there's 19 minutes of footage, yeah. there's probably really, I guess, more I think about it, 18 and a half minutes of footage. There is moments where the film is there's nothing on screen, but through the use of sound, it helps kind of do uh, tease certain moments, kind of gives uh, indications of what might happen at the end yeah. if that makes sense so no it totally Some, does. something right, like that so yeah. and that's what i enjoy i enjoy that stuff too and that's i think it's stuff sometimes um because this this is the first time where i hit you know i i do video editing full time so then coming home and trying to video edit was tough so because you almost get like an automatic mode right yeah you almost get like you're just a machine yourself all right cut yeah yeah so it was there were some days where i got home where i was like i need to get this edited and i just would lay on my couch and i'm just like i can't because i've just spent you know seven hours <laughs> today editing video and uh this was it was it was tough to edit it because i knew i wanted to edit it first without music okay because i didn't want this film to be based on like a certain like unless you know it wasn't written for music like it has no, music in it and stuff it. i always ask about yeah music. so but I got stuck. I remember like spending three days like doing the same. I felt like I probably did the same stuff and then redid the same stuff and then undid it. Finally, I got the music that I wanted, searched 
I was kind of dreading having to search for it, but I got really lucky. I found stuff I really liked kind of within my first 10 searches of okay. going through stuff. And, um, and then from there, then all of a sudden I just clicked. I mean, everything was just like moved one after another. And then it was just kind of, nice. the story was kind of done then. So, all right, we're going to take a little break and uh, when we get back and talk to Lucas about sound, right? <laughs> Hey everyone, Chris here from A Dash of Science. You ever wonder how we evolved from apes, even though there's still apes around? Can't figure out why we don't have a cure for cancer or why we aren't gene splicing the hell out of everything? Maybe you find yourself wondering why we aren't going to Mars yet or how come we're not headed full throttle towards all those habitable planets that NASA's found. If any of these feel familiar to you or you just enjoy hearing about science, technology, engineering, and medicine, then come check us out. At A Dash of Science, we take these topics and put them in a chokehold until they submit, until you get all the answers you never knew you wanted. So make sure you check us out at your favorite podcasting app or visit us directly at dashofscience.com. Lucas, do you do an instrument? I do not actually. I played saxophone for two years. You did in middle school. All right, Uh, wasn't very good. No, you didn't keep it up. No. Why did you like noir movies? Is that why saxophone? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know. I (laughs) I actually love noir movies so much. Yeah, I'm damn near want to learn how to play a sax pretty soon. It was. I don't know why I picked a saxophone because in middle school, uh, when you went into sixth grade, like the, right. the, yep. the coolest thing actually at our middle school was uh, being part of the band because the band class was always just packed by sixth and seventh graders. Really? At your school? Yeah. yeah. So so I did saxophone. I feel bad that I made my parents. I was like, I want to do saxophone. They're like, okay, well, like there's routes you can take. Like you can rent one. And I was like, no, I want my own one because I'm going to play it through senior year. And I stopped after seventh year great i think my yeah. parents still have it you still have it okay. yeah um you know you might have to find somebody that can play it and put it in one of your movies yeah i should yeah. it's gold it, it looks nice i mean there were really? it was uh it was a fun instrument to play actually i wasn't very like i said i wasn't very good at it but it's a uh, talent right you're it's fingering yeah fingering you, you got the top the top and and then the bottom you got yeah. five sets and I guess everyone, yeah, you can't really play it this way because you'd be like that. So you yeah, always you have to play, play it right hand side. Yeah. Right hand side. Um, I found a way. There was a little latch on the bottom of it. Just yeah. they have one that you can actually hook onto a chair perfectly, and you can lean right back <laughs> and sit. Uh, my instructors didn't like that. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. It sounded good. I mean, I lived in a, grew up in a valley, so okay. my neighbors who are also my uh, my aunt and uncle, they could hear me play. So, well, I, I did drums. Yeah, and I, it took me about two years to learn heavily. I mean, heavily practice learning drums. Yeah, it takes time because it's like doing three things at once, three different things at once. That's drumming, which is really hard. Yeah, to my roommate he uh, he has drums. He's he's pretty good at them, and uh, 
just watching him go, I was just like, I don't know how you know when to hit something. Cause I like, I'll pick him up and every now and then like, yeah, you, you know, I hit the same two once yeah. and then I hit the symbol at the top right? and call yeah. it good. I felt good about my drumming. And then I went and listened to back to, um, you know, uh, uh, Getty or uh, Neil Pert. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Then I went to listen to Rush and I was like, no, I'm not even close. <laughs> Little right. side note. Have you seen Whiplash? Oh, yes. He, uh, oh, yes. Um, Damon, what's his name? Yeah, uh, who's, is that the main actor? Or is oh, it the Miles? actor was J.K. Uh, Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Who plays the drummer again? Miles. Miles. Damn, I, I, he just did the it's, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to remember his last name. It's Miles something, though. Yes, it is. Yeah. He, uh, he he learned how to play drums for that movie. That's actually all him. Oh, you that's very you can tell when you watch the movie that it's not yeah. faking it. He no. really knows how to He knows how to play it. Now there's I'm sure there's certain moments that aren't aren't him, but no. I, I think most of it is him. If you're a proficient drummer, you can hear it. Yeah. You can hear it. No, it's too slow. No. Too too fast. Too fast. Too slow. You can hear it. Oh yeah. That's so if you're really good at drumming, you can even you can tell that it's not just acting. You could really tell he that could, this is he not, could do it. No, not my pace. Yeah. Did yeah. you like that movie? I love that movie. I have it on DVD. Yeah. You do? Yeah. I, well, I, I like to collect yeah. DVDs. I have like 120, 140 oh, of them. Man. It is probably one of the best endings in the last five years. I love that ending. <laughs> I do. I that, do. And that, because uh, that ending's just like, uh, I don't, I guess I don't want to spoil well, it for I, people. I think but the beginning of it is you're a little discombobulated. What the heck's yeah. going on? Oh yeah, it it's was, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, yeah, it. Uh, I love I love that film, but the ending yeah. was very cool in that aspect, like that. Yeah. I thought. So. Do you always think it when you write. Do you always think endings? Oh yeah. Or you just oh you do. Yep, and yeah. that's. I don't. I I I really don't like. I every time I say this, I say it all the time. But right before I say it, I'm like, oh, I don't like saying this. And I say it every time. Uh, I always. Uh, I don't like to say like, oh, this film like inspired me to do this because then I don't want people to be like, oh, you're just comparing your film to like some like film way no, up that, here. Yeah, you know what I mean? Per- yeah, everybody's so. Right. But that ending really struck with me where I was like, oh, that was a cool ending. I would love, and that's how I kind. I wouldn't say that's Dial it comes close to that, but that's what no. approach I took with Dial was I wanted the the ending to kind of somewhat be like that too. I think I, I think people especially writers and especially in interest right get a know you know your ending know yeah. how you want to end it right yeah. yeah there's so many different ways i mean i and i i don't i get frustrated with movies mainstream movies how they have to everything is almost like a have to wrap things up even the subplots yep. you don't really need to do that yeah that's that's a very american tradition americans love having their ending cut right for them so they don't have to think about it too much yeah uh there is a film um I think it's called it's one of one of my favorite films it was ever to watch and it was uh an iranian based film it's okay. the director from iran he's i mean every time he directs a film he wins the international director oscar or what you know the foreign film okay. uh director or best picture and there is a it's i believe it's called um uh, separated something like that separation or separated it's basically this is, this is i'm getting yeah it's, i feel like i know what this is about yeah it's I, about I, I, a divorce yeah and then it's about custody and i don't want i guess have you seen it yet no or? i'm trying to get i'm getting my bearings i'm hearing about yeah it right so yeah. i don't want to spoil the ending but the ending is so good <laughs> but you don't 
because it it comes to yeah i can't i don't want to go too much into it because i really don't want to ruin it because uh, right, it yeah. builds up so well and then finally these two characters are pitted and then finally another character chimes in and gets to make a decision yeah and then that's what you're left with and that's so cool I th- it was it was the this best ending i've ever seen in a film right and well so. when i was a kid when i was a college when i was in college in like in 97 and i saw use of suspects i dang near went to the theater again yeah after it's, saw that yeah. i was like no i gotta go back you got it yeah it's that it was one of the movies i went to see just because of the ending and the other one was uh memento i saw that see, i haven't theater. seen that one yet i'm I still catching theater. up on the older films so yeah i went to a theater and i had to go see that again yeah immediately because i was like what what yeah yeah i gotta see that That one's on my list i have like memento. a nice i have a nice little list going that i haven't i i would hate to say the list out loud because people I think would it's well crafted yeah well written i don't think it's visually stunning or anything Mm-hmm. but it's written really well and edited really well. Yeah. Yeah. And some, I think, think some, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I think it carries a little bit sometimes is yeah. something is dominant. Something more movies have something dominant into it. Mm-hmm. Momento, the writing is very dominant. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and it's nice to see sometimes where, you know, visual, like so many, so much now with film is like, you want like the next best big visual thing. You want to see like, something explode that's you've never seen or something but it's like sometimes when those films are simpler from a visual standpoint and you let the story take over yeah. that's really cool i yeah. think well i think you know we and i did my end of the movie end of the year movie reviews last year for mm-hmm. last year and i just finally saw cold war i haven't seen that one and yet that was that was amazing yeah i think i would highly recommend it because i think if i saw that in 2018 it would definitely been in my top 10 but i had to wait i had to wait because yeah it, 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 we're in a small market so i can't really you know exactly yeah and it was an amazon prime movie so i was like oh I had yeah amazon prime so maybe i just wait till it know, comes on there it comes yeah. on there and i had to wait till like march and it's just I'll, I'll put it on my list yeah because yeah. there's uh so it was cold war you said yeah cold oh, war yeah, from poland okay yeah the black and white one it was oscar nominated Oh yeah, I think I remember. I always check the Oscars out, and that's usually I always make my list then too off the Oscar nominated films. Um, yeah. Last year, not to go off a little well, yeah, tangent, yeah, but yeah, um, one film kind of kind of based off War as well was Dunkirk. Yeah, I personally really did not like that film. You didn't like it? No, I thought visually it was really cool, but from a story perspective, it was I'm, so I'm sure, weird. I'm sure when they would have had like eight pages of screenplay yeah no kidding it was you've seen it right yeah yeah, yeah. it was story like uh, and maybe it didn't help that i had a lot of friends to rave about it because i saw it like a week later right um so i didn't get to see it right away and get but it was it was tough because my expectations were high but also like i didn't really care anything about the characters they didn't say much i didn't get much emotion like they had a lot of emotion to them but i was just like i'm not in the setting so i don't really invested no i don't know how they're feeling i understand they're getting shot at but yeah you know i don't know i, I can't totally understand yeah. it it was a very visual dominant oh visuals movie. are crazy yeah. and christopher anytime christopher nolan directs something too i feel like a lot of people like to give him an extra 15 points on the review <laughs> just because he directed yeah, yeah not yeah. To, if i ever got to work with christopher nolan i'd never say that to him but you know <laughs> so well his first movie i mean he everybody did momentum and that's how he got started but yeah. his first movie is called the followers Wait, moment. Sorry, moment. What's the one where he directed one too? Uh, uh, it's a foreign link. Maybe it isn't foreign. Well, he it's did one. He was a, it was American with, remake. Yes. of a Norwegian movie called Insomnia. 
That's okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know if yeah. I was getting that with confused up with Memento. So no, that's how you guys started. He did yeah. one, one for Hollywood, and then you know he's kind of been doing his own thing now. He's got know. the luxury. He, he, yeah, yeah. a director Soderbergh does that. He does one for the big bu- big blockbusters like Logan Lucky. Yep. And then he does his small in, in to finance his small independent projects like Unsane or something. Yeah, like that. I know Clooney did that a lot. Yeah, uh, he, one for the big guys. One, and then they would fund one of his smaller projects. Yeah. One for the because that's what. Oceans 11, 12, and 13. That was part of his contract was, right. yeah. I'll do those. You do three of mine. Call it good. So. Yeah, we're even. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, with the sound, with going back to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because oh. uh, we get distracted. Yeah. Um, uh, do you, how, did you, how did you sound in the movie? Did, did you mm-hmm. pick up, do you have a crew and everything? Yeah, yeah. So Tiffany uh, uh, Libel, uh, Libel, I, I'm a little t- side note. I pronounce people's names wrong every time. And I, it's one of my fears. So sorry, Tiffany, if I pronounced I your last feel, name. Now I don't feel uh, so bad of a mi- mistaken Abby for Amy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I, one of my biggest fears is actually pronouncing people's full names out loud to people or just to people in general and to them. So, right. um, yeah, I screwed up. I'm sorry, Tiffany, if I, I said this on my last, time I was talking with someone too so <laughs> had to throw it out there first but for sound Tiffany had t- we captured quite a few bit of sound on set yeah which was very helpful uh, and then I didn't this one this film doesn't really have like a score to it but it has more soundscaping to it okay and I actually found this uh, company online through Amazon full got their whole 50 songs yeah listen to all of them well, you know, each about three or four minutes long. It's all soundscaping. Pay for that. Their credits are in the film, so I'm safe there. I read through that. And it was more, yeah, it's more soundscaping, but it really matches the atmosphere to the film. Um, there is a scene that is somewhat... It was funny for us, going back to that humor stuff, it was really funny for us to shoot, and it was really hard for us not to laugh. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was kind of challenging, but that, that sounds probably the most... Pr- dominant because it deals with lots of tools and yeah. things that are in hands and you can hear it with Tiffany's mics which were really nice you could hear like a, a like a uh, crowbar being like kind of like scraped with the fingernail that was really cool so well I, I think people forget how creative you can be with sound oh yeah exactly yeah. and that's and that was uh the sound I'm probably most proud of that it's something I'll probably uh tell people after they see the film because i don't want them to know look for it okay there's a um it, it's very it's right away you know it in the trailers there's a phone ringing there you can my parents used to have this old rotary phone yeah and that that's yeah, very the, prominent the old classic black one right yeah. yeah so that's prominent and it's in the film and physically but also uh through sound and that is actually the best that is actually what i use for transition uh was ringing but it was more like that you know the dialing yeah. of it which obviously is the name of the film um so when it goes to like the black like i mentioned that's what sound takes place and then i actually had my mom record do some audio for me through her voice using her voice so my mom got a little <laughs> not she didn't get any screen time but she okay, got she right. gets she gets some time heard in the film okay. so do you still have that phone 
the, the, the old yeah they, they still have it, it no kidding it, we used to uh it was hooked up downstairs so and it's loud so when it rang oh you god could yes hear. yeah yeah so it would ring uh i've dialed off it before and called people um because i just thought it'd be cool it takes forever to dial though because you gotta wait right. like you nine dial, oh one, nine or one. <laughs> yeah ones ones are quick one through five are right. fine Somebody six is, you nine yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um so it they don't they don't use it anymore they got they finally my parents finally got rid of their uh phone line and they're just, just put in a museum or something <laughs> well we they have it the phone okay the phone yeah it's right. it's not like the box one it's more like a circular one and it's got like it's actually used in the poster for the film okay that's up. the one All right. yeah okay. so it's small and it's easy to grab the poster was just something you just put in there but yeah it, it's, it, it's the authentic prop that you prop used. that we used yep, yep. and uh but yeah, the phone's really loud. It was, it was fun to dial back in the day. So <laughs> it would wake me up from naps. And every time I wake up, I was, but I enjoyed it. I mean, if I dialed off it, made the house unique. So um, have you ever heard of the movie Blowout? Mm -mm, no. Oh, you should go see it. Or if you can find it, it's from 1979. Brian De Palma's movie. John Travolta's in it. Okay. And he's a sound sound guy for movies mm -hmm. the whole premise of the movie is he's making a scary movie and the the attractive girl in the movie scream is not good enough all the other sound props like the whistles or anything are not good enough so his job is to find somebody that can give a better scream oh, that's cool and or better sound effects you know we don't have nighttime noises so he goes out in the middle of the woods to catch your nighttime noises nighttime noises with his microphone yeah just so happens he come he records audio audio on audio a huge car accident and it starts mm. a whole investigation but it plays into using sound and film sound using filmmaking and it's a murder mystery all the same at once that's cool it's called blowout i'll, I'll have to write that i'll write that down on my list so <laughs> i love that stuff i mean foley artists yeah. i think are I, I would love i mean i could never do that but i think it's so I think cool filmmakers would love that movie yeah blowout because it shows a whole process of the late days how do you had to do you know all right we need an owl well dig up your stockpiles of files yeah. of audio files of owls and stuff like that yeah yeah and it's you know it's it is hard to go and like i'm not gonna say it's easy to go out and do something but it's it's there's some certain things you can do that are pretty easy yeah. that are like any filmmaker can use and stuff like that so that's that'd be kind of cool to see that Pro like going out in the woods and stuff like that's a very and just record nighttime yeah and you can put it in your movie right yeah exactly i mean it worked it'd work for me and my parent we grew up in the like country so there's woods so obviously just be walking in your backyard <laughs> so it'd be a lot yeah it'd be super easy there <laughs> someone that lives in town might be like luke you're not you don't understand like i have to drive 10 miles to go into the woods and then so <laughs> you still watch a lot of movies though yes oh yeah i do um i haven't sadly i hadn't gone to the theater in a while and I forgot how much fun it was to go like i hadn't been to the theater since like probably february which isn't that long ago but when i went and saw shazam and then i saw captain marvel for a second time with my sister uh yeah. i had so much fun so yeah i loved watching catching up on movies and uh, I buy, buy them all the time on DVD because I have like a sound system that yeah. works well with DVDs. And it's kind of hard going with movies for me because I try to. I want to avoid the trailers. I love trailers. I, I know I love trailers, <laughs> but sometimes you see too much, right? Or you yeah. see them over and over again. Yep. Obviously, you can follow them on a YouTube channel. Trailers. So it's yeah, just, exactly. It it is hard because there are films that I know Marvel. When we we're talking, kind of talking about. Uh, superhero films marvel yeah. had a problem and they aren't doing it now because i think 
where they were showing too much and you kind of knew the story right. or they did a lot of press and but now these last two films recently they've done so not a lot of uh they've done trailers to show footage because you have to like you gotta get yeah. people somewhat excited um but i was like for infinity war and Endgame, the directors came out and someone complimented about their trailer or something i was just watching this interview with the directors and about uh like two or three scenes they mentioned like oh i love that interaction like how how was it directing that scene and they both looked at the guy and they're like well we can say this now because we've done the film but that's not in the movie <laughs> and the guy goes and the guy the reporter was like distraught <laughs> he's like what and he goes well he goes we did that for infinity war right, so yeah. you guys we thought you guys would figure out for Endgame, but there's quite a bit of the movie that um you don't see like at all and then they also mentioned like every footage that's been shown and any end game stuff is the first 15 minutes well that's you know that's crazy. I talk about trailers uh, george lucas fought hard for what was going to be revealed in the trailer because if you watch the original trailer for the 77 star wars mm-hmm. it looks like garbage oh uh, he just r2d to falling over because he didn't want to reveal all the you know the whole thing yeah. on the trailer he wanted to keep it till you go see it in theaters yeah and that's a big premise yeah. that star wars still lives by yeah that uh disney and marvel are starting to kind to do I think now we're starting to get back to that. Like everyone want all the information right away as soon as the internet and all that. But right. now I think people are starting to be okay with, cause you got like game of Thrones, which is super secretive. You've got star Wars. that's very secretive. And now you got Avengers, which is, if you look back to Avengers one and age vault and Avengers two, they gave away a lot. Well, I, th- I think, um, how they're the whole, um, press production of the movie, the Joker has been phenomenal. Cause yeah. they give you a little, uh, it's leaked. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's... But they're giving yeah. you a little bit of taste, like, just to get enough to, okay, this is... Until we got a full trailer. Here's just, enough to get you excited. Just, just get you excited. This is something. Yeah. And they can talk about it. But I think that's how things are going to go, how they're doing the Joker movie. Yeah. I think that's the, you know, the product, you know, publicity production is probably going to do it a little bit nowadays. Give you a little snippet. Yeah. And know. it's it's smart because why give away something you worked so hard on for two, three years? Yeah. And two and a half minutes, you know? Yeah. Right. And that's... Yeah. Uh, I was got trying to link it back to dial all the time for myself for publicity of it. But when I made the trailers, like you don't see Damon's character at all. And that was kind of something I liked, like the secrecy right. of it and stuff like that. So that's something I've kind of learned. I, I think trailer cutting and editing would be so hard and, but so fun to do. Cause you get like the big epic music and yeah. you just build it up in two and a half minutes. Well, I think like, yeah, if you place, you put together a trailer, you want to, emphasize what this movie's all about but now we give everything out yeah 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 right yeah it's it's easier probably to not give so much away for a three hour two and a half hour film compared to a 19 minute film it's yeah. like how do you make it i thought making a trailer because i i found like in college like when i got when i get bored i would edit i remember i edited a dc versus marvel trailer like okay, you, you see right, like right. you see like 15 20 of those at least on youtube every yeah, year just, yeah but and they're fun, they're fun. Yeah. and so i was like so when i edited this trailer for dial i was like oh it's gonna be super easy and i found it really hard um because the i didn't want to make it too much like the opening the opening 45 seconds to a minute of this film is what i'm probably most proud of it sets oh. the tone of the setting and the film right away but i didn't want to make it just like that in the trailer i didn't want to use too many shots from that i didn't want to use shots of damon but it was like i was battling i was like do i do it or not 
So I hope Damon's okay with it. You weren't going to do like Alfred Hitchcock just stand in front front of Bates Motel and say, oh, this is where a horrible murder happened. Yeah, no, (laughs) wasn't going to do that. Because you like to not be in front. Yeah, so I just... uh, yeah, I guess I, I hope Damon's, I, I guess I haven't talked to Damon about how he feels about his character being so secretive, but hopefully he's all right with it. So. I think if he likes his character. Yeah. yeah, he's gotten a lot of compliments. People have seen the film that have that really say he really steals the show uh, for the film. That's not taking away from anything from what Abby and Cynthia did. Um, his character is more something you don't see every day. Did you think about doing it in black and white? Yeah, but I don't know. I was, I was kind of like, there was... Of, uh, there's a well-known photographer that I know. He's, his name's Tony Corbell. Uh, Cause that's the industry I work in for video editing is based off photography. Right. He yeah. told me, uh, he made a comment one time. He said, the only time you ever see pictures in black and white, it's because their color stinks in the photo. So they just switch it to black and white and it's fine. <laughs> so I thought about, you know, what if this was in black and white? Because a lot of the, um, I mean, the, the, the graphics for it are just like black very background starch. and yeah. it's very like i don't know i really like the text i found it i don't know how i found it but it was just like it feels very rotary uh probably thinks people probably think it's very cheaply made and i can see why it wasn't cheaply made no. i mean but um i hope when they see the film they'll understand the text uh decision on that um but i thought about it in black and white but i just kind of went um Kind of went away from it, I guess, because there are. There's a lot of stipulations to. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. weight when you pick a gla- you know, black and white. There's a lot of baggage you can bring into it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if folk, when you do black and white, too, you focus a, a lot of attention on your characters, then. Like, that's where your eyes are, you know, because everything's black and white. You're just going to yeah. assume to draw your attention. And there are yeah. some things in this film that. Um, well, Orson Welles call it the. Uh, abs the abstraction of distraction yeah so so we uh it's a lot it's the film's more cool i guess more blue to it than anything um right. uh, yeah that's what well the instagram what I, I, I just from memory a lot of black a lot of blue yeah black. yeah the upstairs that's what i'm most proud of the, i guess after i said the opening is what i'm most proud of the second thing i'm most proud of is the upstairs and that's very blue but it's also got some like it's got some color there's not yeah there's just not a lot of color in the film so right but there are certain things that needed to stand out from another certain things um in the backgrounds and stuff like that so i guess that's kind of why stayed with color it never really crossed my mind too much to go black and white um doesn't sound like it right yeah it was more just sticking with i liked how it looked and stuff like that so Good, good. You, uh, well, do you have any movies that you recently, other than Shazam, has there been other ones yeah. that have just been on your mind? Because we talked about Whiplash and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, the other ones that you just really, really liked that you wanted everybody else to know about? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think back now of all the, the movies I've binge watched. Um, <laughs> do you like to do the binging, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, right now I'm so focused on Endgame and Game of Thrones that it's like taken over too much of my life. <laughs> um, I, I, I laugh because we uh, we canceled our TV and subscribed to HBO. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you a Game of Thrones fan? 
Well, yeah, yeah. We oh. canceled TV. And we subscribed. Oh, oh, TV. I thought you, yeah. I, I heard you wrong. Oh. So I thought you meant canceled. you canceled HBO. No, I was no, like, no, what are canceled, you doing? We, no, no. <laughs> we canceled TV and we subscribed to HBO because yeah, the Game of Thrones. And yeah, and so that's been on my mind a lot. I don't know if we watched Game of Thrones, so I guess that's taken up some time. I just really like to rewatch certain episodes. I like. Um, I mean, I actually so I saw Captain Marvel twice. Oh, you did? Yes. And the reason actually is for I've never gone into like I love the the movie theaters and I love going into them. But for some reason, uh, I went to a theater, the same one I always go to in Roseville. um, And like I went and saw Captain Marvel. And have you seen the film or I've seen Captain Marvel? Yes. Brie Larson. Yeah. Yeah, So there there are nighttime scenes in the film, which, you know, that's you can see it. But for some reason, their projector, like, and I've never, I never do this. I never go like, if I'm upset, like something happened. Usually, it's more like people around me, like, oh, that person has just kept not kept talking. And, sure, sure. But the their uh, settings on the the projector were so bad that like the blacks and the contract, it was so dark. Um, there's a scene, and this is not a spoiler in the Captain Marvel where they're infiltrating. It's one that very beginning, they go onto that planet. Yes. Um, and she goes in, and there's a guy that's sitting, kind of like. Uh, kind of almost looked like he's he's like meditating the way he's sitting and then he stands up yeah could not see that no. at all that's not, weird that and is weird yeah and so um i saw it a second time and even scenes that were like in daytime that had any type of shadow on the face very very difficult to see just oh. like Terror. I was like, so was, I knew it was a projector because you don't spend two hundred million dollars and shoot it. <laughs> no, no, right. you know. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I uh, saw it in the new, th- a different, uh, same theater, but a uh, different. Uh, it was like theater ten instead of nine or something like that, yeah. and it was much better, much better experience. I could see everything, and I enjoyed it more because I was, I, I, I was upset that I saw it that way the first time because it wasn't the film I didn't. Yeah. Like I, I had such like a negative review on Captain Marvel because I was so frustrated every time anything dark would come up, couldn't see it. But I liked it better. Um, any other films that I've seen? Well, have, it's, have you um, have you saw something that you didn't finish or couldn't finish? Has that happened before? Like that you, I've what, seen? Yeah, it. You, you ever not finish a movie? <laughs> oh yeah. Well. I've uh, I remember one year during high school I asked for all the Oscar winning films or really? nominated films, so that you know it's like ten of them for Christmas and <laughs> you were, you were um, so ambitious yeah I, so I watched and yeah. Yeah, yeah so and that was the year Lay Miz got nominated okay took me two days to watch <laughs> I I'm not a musical fan at all but I was like you know what like if it's nominated give yeah. it the benefit of the doubt and watched it and i was like wow this is like a full musical like right start to stop they're not gonna say the word and all that yeah and normal so it took me two days to watch that and it didn't help that my favorite song uh which they sang at the oscars was like at the second to last song they sing in the film um yeah so you're not kind of a music no music 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 i'm really not uh i it's, I struggle watching horror films, but I like them, but they're hard to watch just because I get scared so easily. And, um, but that little side, there's a film. Have you seen Prisoners with Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, it's very much a character's, it's like a little bit of yeah. a mystery into it. Yeah. Yeah, it has, yeah, it has a good mystery into it. Uh, directed by Denny 
it's it should just be Americans want to pronounce it, I think Dennis Villeneuve but it's like yeah. Denis Villeneuve something because like, he's a uh, uh, Spanish right, he, based name he did uh, Sicario Sicario Fa- that's my favorite director so Blade I love Runner 2040 yep you know. he's doing Dune yes um, yes he's doing the remake is it a remake or a continuation it's a book yeah so he, it's just another version of version the book. Of, yeah so, so I think the co- movie company bought the rights two years ago yeah yep. and so he directed Prisoners and I remember I don't know why, but I asked for that movie too, but I don't know if it was, it might've been actually nominated for an Oscar that year. I'm not sure, but it sat at the bottom of my list. Golden Globes were heavy too. Yeah. 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 And I remember it sat on the bottom of my, I went from top to bottom on the DVDs of the order I want to watch them in. And it sat in the bottom. I don't know why I was like, I was like, I just don't know if I feel about this movie. And it's one of my top 10 films. Yeah. It made me, it was, it's very intense. And that's what I really liked about that movie. I love the Sicario's great. Sicario's great. Yeah. He directed that in, Taylor Sheraton, who I love his writing. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote that. Sicario's great. Like that intro, like that house scene. The intro that and is, the ending. Ending's, Every, ending's good too. Yeah. yeah. He has, Denny, yeah, he's good director. I mean, yeah. the cinematographer he has too, um, he's been nominated. Oh, I, Richard, I, he did Blade Runner with. Uh, yeah. Very famous. Yeah, yeah, he's been nominated like 15 times. Finally won an Oscar for, I think, Blade Runner. Yep. Um, but that film, what it, for prisoners too is the it takes like a maze is very heavily influenced in yes, the film I remember this, yeah so when they're in the houses it's shot like a maze i don't know if you've noticed that i have to go back and look now. so when the yeah. character will enter a frame into a house like there's no panning there's no tilting like it's just a camera on a tripod and the character will like hugh jackman will walk up the stairs and you can see the kitchen to your right but it's got two entrances okay. and then you see to the left stairs just like you would in a maze. So he enters into the kitchen to look for his daughter. But as you would in a maze, you get stopped. So you turn around and you go somewhere else. And then they would cut. Right. So, they so it's shot like a maze. Nice. That's, right. that's what I found so cool about the movie. It was right. like, and it was something that took me two times to watch it, to realize, because I was so in, intense into the story. And then the second time I was like, this is like a maze. Just like the film is kind of based off of and stuff like that. So, Well, I, you know, they were talking about like the recently like Roma. You know, mm-hmm. aroma and he would just put it on a tripod it was almost like you were a visitor witnessing it sometimes and, it's nice to just yeah. let it sit there and right. and it's tough sometimes when you do so much shaky cam i mean if you want to knock anything on anthony and joe russo's it, one punch takes like eight cuts because they're shaking 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 all of a sudden boom but it looks so cool um, but it, it, it that's what they they do a lot of shaky cam stuff um there's benefits to that obviously in terms of all right yeah. all of dial is shaky uh, except for the the uh first scene between cynthia and abby and then abby's last scene is on tripod and we decided to do that because when she enters a certain atmosphere we wanted to feel a little off balance. Ellie Ellie yeah. Drews came up with that idea. It was really cool. So. Well, I think shaky cam is almost like your crash symbol and band. You don't want to use it all the time. People get annoyed no. with it. You want to use it the right time. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. and she, you know, it's more like, not like purposely shaking, but it's more just like free floating it and, floating, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I'm not the best term for cinematography and stuff like that. I know a lot of cinematographers like well, get really think- technical and lighting and, I don't think Spielberg can navigate himself around a camera. You know, he yeah. gets other people. That's their job. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I, it's, it's more me like, if you can get this light that I'm looking for, it takes you uh, one light. Great. If it takes a thousand, I don't care. Just if you can get it, let's go. Like, right. It's well, that's why you hire them. That's their, exactly. I would, that's my perception. You hire them yep. for their job and you think you, they know it. Yeah. yeah. 
Right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right, uh, Lucas, man, we ran out of time. That was a great talk. We went everywhere. It, yeah. so. We went everywhere. Yeah, right? we did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, you write all the movies I referenced for you, and then I'm going to have to go. What is that Uranian movie you, you mentioned? Uranian. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look it up gosh, after we're up I'll here. Yeah. Um, I can actually look it up real quick since we talked about it in the show, and then... Yeah. Um, I believe I believe it's just called Separated. Okay, we'll and that should be easy to find because we'll I think the, I think what you're referring to is was nominated. So I have to separate. Yeah, those. yeah, it was nominated. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the the director is based out of Iran. He uses basically the same actor, okay, um, and actress in all his films. So sometimes it's kind of hard. Like if you watch too many of them, you're probably like. Like, right, oh, he's yeah. just using the same one. You watch but, too many Kurosawa, you're like, yeah, that's the same. <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, the, the actors are very good, and actress is very good too. Okay, all right. right. See if I can hey, just find it. Or we'll, if, we'll find it. Let's see, is this him? Yeah, I think this is him here. Okay, you find it. You did. Found it, the director's name, and okay, I could, I could not, yeah. I could not pronounce it. Oh, a separation is called the. That's a the film. separation. A separation directed in. Uh, it was released in 2011. Okay. And yeah. then I think he got a uh, a win and for the the salesman in 2016 as well. That's what I'm thinking about the salesman. Yeah, that's same same actor and same. I don't know if it's the same actress as in same actor for sure in a separation, but that right. film. If you want, watch it with somebody who has to have clear-cut endings. It's so fun. <laughs> all right. So. All right. Well, and for all the people who love sound and movies, you have to see Blowout. So. All right. Uh, Lucas, thanks for coming, man. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate and it's it. not over to the guest says it's over. It's over. It's over.